Okay, should it be, I'm on. Well, happy Mother's Day, everyone. My name is Corbett Heimberger. I'm one of the pastors here at Green Tree Community Church. And I'm wearing my mask right now to honor all of you who are staying in place and following the directives of the medical experts as well as our local leaders and how to keep each other safe as well as your own family. And I also want to honor those who are putting themselves at risk to care for those who have the COVID virus so that they can be healed and return to a normal life. So I'm gonna take this off now and uh, I have a, a statement to make to you all as a result of what happened with Ahmad Arbery not too long ago. Um, I think most of you may have heard about it, but he was a young uh, African-American man who was killed recently down in Georgia. And let me just say this. There are really no words that will reverse the senseless death of this young man. But let us join the chorus of the brokenhearted and express our deep pain for this loss. Let us cry out for truth and justice and entrust them to God. We are devastated that the human brokenness in this world continues to lead to the death of others and exposes the racial divide in our country. We mourn with the Aubrey family and pray they find comfort first in God and in those around them. We pray for their community, that as they wrestle with sadness, frustration, and truth in the coming days, they would be able to do so peacefully with the grace that transcends. May we too seek Christ's grace and guidance as we wrestle with the brokenness in our hearts in the, and in the world we live. Um, I also want to invite you all to a forum and discussion that will be led by our, our pastor, uh, Tom Ricks, and the pastor of our church plant in um, Ferguson, Florissant area, uh, Wokebridge, Sean Boone. They will come on at 7 o'clock on the normal channels, and you can interact with them uh, and ask questions while that is going on. Um, so let me, before we begin our, our time together, let me pray for um, these situations. God, our Father, we are grieving over the loss of Ahmad Arbery and the many other young black men who have been senselessly killed. So, Father, I pray for those who are close to him and all of us around this country and around the world that are just shaking our heads and wondering how we deal with this. It's so, so, so horrible. Grant grace, our Lord, to, for us to understand as we can, but some of it is just not understandable. Help us to believe that in your grace and pray, we do pray now, that you would move towards separating, to pulling apart the separations in our society that cause these kinds of things and allowing 
us to stand up and say, we're for peace. We welcome those who are different than we. We want to embrace all those who are different than we and show them the love that you have given to them and to us in ways that will bring long-lasting and wonderful peace. I also do want to pray, Father, for uh, the COVID virus and ask that you would work in the medical realm and bring a vaccine that would begin to take away the threat. I pray for those who are sick now that you would heal them. I pray that you would protect those who are caring for the sick with the COVID virus. And I pray for our families as we are stuck at home and all of our routines, our friends, our relationships, all of those are changed dramatically. And so I pray for those who may be suffering with or a deep sense of isolation, I pray that you would be able to work in their hearts to encourage and build them up. And now I commit our time before you in the word of God and ask that you would direct our hearts and thoughts to you and the grace that comes through Jesus Christ. I pray that in his name. Amen. Well, I'm hoping and trusting that you moms are getting the royal treatment that you deserve today. It's going to be very different than in the past where you probably had large family gatherings and other people preparing the meal and, and, and family and friends gathering around and just hugging and caring for one another. And so our, we just want to say we honor you. Now, normally at uh, Green Tree on Mother's Day, we offer flowers to moms and to women as they come in. Since I can't do that for you all, I want to do that for my wife, Carol, who is here with me. Would you please come forward, Carol? Yes, she's saying no, but I'm going to hold this up here until you do come up and receive this flower <laughs> because I want to honor you for all the care that you give our six children and eight grandchildren. Happy Mother's Day. My most tender memory of my mom happened when our family was on a trip across country and we were down in the southwestern uh, part of Arizona and Southern California and it was hot desert air over 100 degrees and in those days in the late 50s we had no air conditioning in cars and so the the windows were opening and this hot air was rushing over us and at that moment I happened to be sitting in the back seat of our car and with my mom and so I was just tired at eight or nine years old and I leaned over and laid my head in her lap and she started to just fiddle with my ear. And she did that for the longest time. That simple motion, that simple act of tenderness has continued to have a very positive and wonderful effect on my heart and my life. So much so that we incorporated that into the routine that we did with our children when we put them to bed. We would pray and sing and then uh, I would rub their backs and pat their backs like my father did, and then I would fiddle with their ears. <laughs> and we, they would call it rub, pat, fifth ears. And we did that every night. That is the power and the impact that a caring mother 
can have. I'd like to start out by reading a quote from Stacy Eldridge. She says, all women are not mothers, but all women are called to mother. So my sermon in a sentence is this, when women mother, they reflect God's character. So my first theme that we take from scripture is this, when women mother, they shelter their loved ones. I'm taking a quote from Jesus's talk uh, in the last week of his life to the Pharisees, and he says this, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chick under her wings, and you were not willing. You see, a mama hen wants her chicks close. Look at how she is covering those two chicks with their little heads sticking out. She wants to make sure they are safe and provided for. To understand the statement that was here in Jesus' words more fully, I want to back up and give you a little bit of the setting that was happening at the time he spoke those words. As I mentioned earlier, this was during the last week of Jesus' life. And just a few days ago, he had been welcomed into Jerusalem by a crowd of people shouting and dancing and singing and clapping and throwing their garments on the ground in front of the um, donkey that he was riding and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And then after his grand entry into Jerusalem, he spent most of his time in the temple courts talking to people there as they gathered around to hear this person they considered to be a prophet. And among them were the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders of those times. And during this time, they would ask him question after question after question to find some way to trip him up and to find something that they could accuse him on. So, um, here's the question that Jesus was answering on the picture that it should be coming up on your screen. There he is. You see, he's got a coin in his hand. And so, this was the question that, that was asked. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked, whose image is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. So there were several other questions that other people asked. And when he was done answering all those questions, he began to pronounce seven woes against the religious leaders of that day. Um, I'll, re I'll, read, I'll, I'll read one of those to you. It says, woe to you teachers of the law, you hypocrites, 
you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Woe to you, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you neglect the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Sadly, we see this in America. People who claim to know and follow God, yet hold hate against others who are different than they. You know, for years, I wondered why Jesus was so harsh when he spoke to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the other religious leaders of his day. And it came to me that twice in the Bible, God says that he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So when Jesus spoke so harshly, he was doing so in love so that he could bring those men and women who were resisting him, not hearing what he said and not believing in the grace of God, believing that all they had to do was keep the law perfectly, which, of course, we know is impossible. They were so hard that they couldn't recognize the Son of God who was standing right in their midst. And so he pushed against them, hoping to break down their pride so that they would be humble and in a place where they could receive the grace and love that God wants for them and have the life of fulfillment and joy that he had in store for those who believe. So, even after all of those woes, Jesus said this statement. I'll read it again. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent, were sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Do you hear the voice of a mother in Jesus' words? Do you hear a mother's love for her children who have strayed away from God's goodness and grace? Even after speaking to them so harshly, he tells them that he longs to have them come close. He longs to gather them near so that he can protect them with his wings of grace and love and draw them to his heart. I know there are many moms here who struggle with the same pain, the struggle with the heartbreaking reality that some of their children have strayed away from the love and grace of God. Jesus joins you in that struggle, in that heartbreak. No matter how far a child or friend may stray or whatever he or she may have done, the mothering hearts of women will still long to reconnect and, and shower their love on their children who have pulled away. Carol and I struggle with the same thing. Some of our children have pulled away from God. Our hearts ache for them. We pray for them every night. And this is the hope with which we pray. Paul said in Philippians that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And each one of our children who have pulled away 
had come to faith in Jesus and had followed him for a time. So we are leaning into his promise. Ladies, when you long for your family, your friends, to come under the sheltering wing of God's care and love, you reflect his character. You live the character of who God is because he's planted that in your hearts. As Jesus longs for his children, he does so with hope. In verse 39 of chapter uh, 23, just a sentence later, he says this, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, now, wait a minute. Didn't they just say that? Didn't that crowd standing there just a couple of days ago shout that to Jesus? And they must be scratching. Uh, is he wanting to do that again? It, that kind of was a little bit over the top, don't you think? But Jesus knew that that wasn't going to happen in the coming days. Jesus knew that he was going to the cross. Jesus knew that he was going to die and would not hear that same thing from those crowds. When he says, you will not see me until the day when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, he was thinking about his second coming when he comes back to claim his people and make all the wrongs right. And he had hope for all of those who were standing there, many of whom would come to faith in Christ while they still lived. And then their children's children, children's children would believe also. And when he comes back and calls all his people around him, they will be in that crowd singing, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, because they will be seeing, we will be seeing everything wrong made right. We will be seeing the beauty and glory of our creation as it was meant. We will be close to God without any veil between us and him. That is the glorious beauty of what God has done. So that's the hope that women and men, but women who mother can have for those they love. And let me say this at this moment. For those of you who may be struggling with your relationship with God, look at who Jesus is. Look at how he loved those even who opposed him with hard, angry hearts. He wanted them to come to him. And if you have felt that way about God, consider his goodness, his grace, his love, and accept this invitation to come under his wings. The second theme I want to talk about is this, when women mother, they calm their loved ones. Let me read Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. I, like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Here's the picture this psalm 
creates in me. That is my Aunt Mimi, and she is holding her grandson, Grayson. Just look at the love on her face and the tenderness and, and stillness of that little guy. He's much, much older. That was several years ago. But here's the picture I see. I see a child who may have had a squabble. I think this was, must, must have been what David might have been thinking about because he had older brothers and he was the smallest of them all and they, I'm sure, picked on him. And so he may be thinking about a time when that happened and he was deeply upset as a young child and he went running into his mother's arms and she grabbed him and sat him on her lap and held him and talked to him and sang to him and his heart quieted because she loved and reassured him. For any woman who reaches out to comfort and encourage someone else reflects God's essence. Yesterday, my granddaughter Sophie asked me if God was a man. I said, no, God is not a man. God is a spirit. He is neither male nor female. While he uses the male pronouns as he represents himself in the Bible, that doesn't mean he does not have feminine sensibilities. Otherwise, how could he create women with their view of the world, their sensibilities, their ability to perceive life in a blessedly different way than the male gender? In Genesis, it says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So both male and female represent who God is. We're all created in his image. So now let's go back to Psalm 131. In it, David points a way that we can cope with the dangers, the insecurities, the limitations and fears that we have and experience right now in our society. He says the first step is to do what he did and lay down his pride. He says, I can't figure this out. These things are much too high for me. He says this, my heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. He seeks comfort from God. In that way, he calms himself. He knows God is great. He knows God will deal with all of those problems. He will deal with what's going on, and he rests in that. He says again, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Because of his experience with God and how the sense of God's presence with him right now, even though when he wrote these words, he was a grown man. He had no mother to whose lap he could sit on. He was in God's presence, sensing the reality of God's goodness and care and comfort and restoration. He tells everyone else, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. You ladies 
who care for others, as mothers care for their children, can help us all receive that same grace, peace, and contentment in our hearts as you share that kind of love with us. The third theme I want to talk about is this. When women mother... They do what's best for their loved ones, even if it means making hard choices. So some of you may remember uh, the incident that made Solomon, king of Israel, famous for his wisdom. In this picture, um, you can see two women, one kneeling to the left of the throne and the other one opposite her standing. They came saying that this one child was their child. And they had been arguing about that for a long time. And I'm sure somebody who was near them got to them and they said, we can't figure this out. You can't figure this out. Go see King Solomon and see if he can help you out. So this is the account that the women gave to him. One of the ladies said, the next morning, I got up to nurse my son and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't my son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son. The dead one is yours. And the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours. The living one is mine. So they argued before the king. And I imagine Solomon heard that for a while. And then he said, this one says, my son is alive and the other one, and your son is dead. While the other one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. And so then he said, bring me a sword. And I'm sure they were rattled. And everybody in the chamber was rattled. So they brought him a sword. And then he gave the order, cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. And then it says this, the woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please, my Lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. The king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is the mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. The true mother of this child had so much love in her heart that she was willing to give her to the woman who her and was trying to take her child away just so the child she loved could be saved and live, even though it was her arch enemy in this case. Yet Solomon saw the wisdom and how this mother was willing to sacrifice herself, her heart, for the safety and love of her child. I'll say again, when women who mother do what is best for their loved ones, they even, they will do that the best for their loved ones, even if it means making hard choices. God did the same thing. The same kind of selfless choice for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. 
But, but wait a minute, that sounds like Jesus, that, that God made the choice for Jesus to suffer. And that's true, Jesus did suffer. But God also suffered. If you remember the uh, Good Friday sermon that Tom Ricks uh, gave us, he talked about the perspective of the father who stood there watching his son suffer so terribly. And he had the power at all times just with one thought to stop it all. But he didn't. He watched his son suffer. But here's more. You see, he knew that the path through the cross, even as hard as it was for his son, was exactly what his son wanted. They had talked about it. They had agreed on it. And we're told in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, this, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus went through the cross for joy. What was his joy? His joy was to, to bring in the great multitude, the great crowd that's talked about just a couple of verses before, all of those who have believed in him before and suffered for it, that was the record in Hebrews, but all who believed in him before and all who are coming to believe him right now, he, it's his joy to bring us into the goodness and grace of God. It's his joy to take away anything that can separate us from God. It's his joy to open a new and living way for us into God's very presence, into heaven itself. Hmm. Knowing how much God loves you, what joy it gives him to bring you close, that he did everything possible to help you receive your love. Wouldn't you like to do that today on Mother's Day, whether it's the hundredth time or the first time? Consider that. Please consider his invitation. My youngest son, Andrew, and his wife, Janelle, were married in 2006. For eight years, they tried to have children and could not. So they went through fertility treatments and so on for a couple of years, and that didn't work either. And then they decided, maybe we should adopt a child. And so they filled out all the paperwork and went through the home studies and all of those things, and they put together this beautiful book that described the life of their family together. And so the adoption agency began to put out feelers for them with families and they got the first one and thought this is it this is it it was a handicapped child and it was that was they were willing to accept any child whether they had physical or mental disabilities or not but that was turned down and time after time six seven eight times over two years they were offered and didn't they went on this roller coaster but finally another opportunity came and it was from two college students who'd gotten pregnant together. And the mother decided right away that she was going to carry this child to full term and have him born. And this little girl, 
she loved this child also so much that she knew that she at that time could not provide a stable, loving environment for this little girl. And so she, uh, she determined to adopt that child, to let some other family, some stable, loving family to do that. And they tr chose Drew and Janelle. And so you see here that Janelle is holding little Ava when they first came home from the hospital with this child that is theirs. And there they are standing together, my son Drew and, and Janelle and little Ava. And the picture on the right is Ava at her second birthday. In conclusion, I just want to say this, I'm in awe of that mother's love. She determined to do what was good and right and best for her child, even though it must have cost her a lot because both families were trying to tell her, we'll help you take care of her, but she knew that just wasn't going to be possible. And she stayed steady wanting this child to live in a loving and caring home. And all the time that Drew and Janelle were going up and down, we said over and over again, these two people, Drew and Janelle, are just made to be parents. They are full of love and they have this steady, strong gentleness about them, just exactly what a child needs. <laughs> so, Stacy Eldridge, sums this all up and she says this, a woman is not less of a woman because she is not a wife or has not physically born a child. The heart and life of a woman is much more vast than that. All women are made in the image of God in that we bring forth life. We enter into our world and into the lives of those we love and offer our tender and strong feminine hearts. We cannot help but mother them. Let's pray together. Father, we know that this time is very dark and heavy time for many women who want to have children or who have lost children. And so we pray that they would hear the invitation that you give them to come to them, come to you rather, and settle into your lap and let you put the, your arms around them and hear the voice of love, that they are treasured, that they are sought after, that they can receive the very grace and love and kindness and warmth you desire for them and open up their hearts and lives to that, that they might rest and they might put their hope in you. We pray that also for all of us now as we continue in this Mother's Day to renew those who are brokenhearted and to give grace and love to those who would like to celebrate. So we offer that now in Jesus' name. Amen. So.
Let me uh, bless you all with a, a, a benediction, but I would like to do one more thing in prayer, to pray for those who have lost their mothers. I know there are a number of people in the congregation, including Jill, who talked about that this morning, um, and my wife and Tammy and others. So let me pray for that, and then I'll close. Our God and Father, mothers do play such an important place in all of our lives. And we grieve along with all of those who have lost their moms either recently or a long time ago and still miss them. I pray that your presence would encourage and strengthen them, that you would fill them up with your love and let them know that their mothers are treasured by you as well. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now hear the Lord's benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that through the power of Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace on this Mother's Day. Goodbye and God bless and hang around if you want to ask questions and interact. I, I couldn't hear you. Okay. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, we have varying uh, traditions of Mother's Day in our family uh, because for many years, uh, as Carol and I were married, um, we lived down in Birmingham, so we did our thing there. But here, when we have the opportunity, we uh, gather with our family that are here, and we blend our families, the uh, Heimberger family and the Walschlager families, and we get together and we have a wonderful, crazy time and lots of hugs and love and, and gifts to the moms. And so... Um, that's what we do. It's a little different every year, but it's always the same about celebrating the beauty of the women who take care of us. Right. Uh, um.
done that. Well, I hadn't done that since I was in college. So this, it was great fun. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Um, anybody else have some uh, tradition that they would like to share? Robin Cloud said, uh, grateful for you all. Thank you. Love you all. It means everybody that uh, was in the sound of our voice in our congregation. I'm sure that he misses everybody and we sure do miss you, Rob. Thanks for um, checking in. Ah, um, Kathy Hartke asks, have we, uh, if Carol and I picked up any new hobbies during quarantine? Yeah, one of them is, um, she's not real familiar with uh, Star Wars movies. And so uh, we got the Disney Channel and we're watching all the Star Wars movie from the beginning till now. We've only gotten through two so far, but <laughs> um, we do walk a lot more than we used to. We walk our dogs around our neighborhood and down to the farmer's market and back up. So how about anybody else? New habits that you have uh, gained? I guess a walking wasn't a new habit, but we do it a lot more frequently now. Nancy Whitson says, can you explain more about the Lord being both male and female? Yes, I can. Um, as I said, uh, earlier, God is a spirit, so he is neither male nor female. And um, he, it, if he didn't have female qualities, he could not have created women with the sensibilities and the capacities that women have. Um, I, don't make, I don't mean to make this a um, demeaning analogy, but God is like the things he created, even little puppies and kittens. There's part of God that is like a little puppy that, or a kitten that's so frisky and so fun and so darling and cute that you can't escape wanting to put your hands on them and care, them, care for them. And so God is the same way with men and women. He loves both men and women. He has those qualities in his character. And that's how he is able to express the differences from the, in the genders because that's who he is. He's both because he's a spirit. He's not, um, he's not a body. Now Jesus has a body and that is a male body and that will continue forever. But God in his essence is spirit and not flesh. I hope that uh, clears it up. If not, um, we can maybe talk offline if you'd like or ask another question. Great, great question, though. One of the things that the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 3, 28, 28 that there are no slave nor free, um, a Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male nor female, but they are all in Christ. And so... Um, that's another indication that um, he is creating us equally before God.
Any other questions that uh, someone would like to pose or comments? Or a tradition that you that you have in your family that may be unique to you? Love to hear that. What are some of you planning to do this afternoon on the uh, stay at home Mother's Day experience? Well, everybody, thank you for joining in. Um, I pray that your day today will be full of joy and strength. And for those of you who uh, miss your moms, I pray that God will console you. For those of you who want to be a mom and aren't yet, I pray also for his consolation to you and his uh, grace in your heart. Um, and so God bless, go in peace. And we look forward to seeing you back here next week. Tom Ricks will be preaching. Um, and so we look forward to that. God bless. Goodbye.